0: No the right no, house I did it again We want to talk, and talk to Marilyn Hack I'm from Canada water
1: him do you realize how many men could survive such an ordeal we should respect them until he found himself in a forbidden world
0: his holiness the Dalai Lama would like to meet you
1: that would change him forever it is
0: an honor to meet you your holiness
1: yellowhead yellowhead
0: I would like to learn about the world you come from. For example, where is Paris, France? And what's the amount of cocktail? And who's Jack the Ripper?
1: Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that knows everything my Masha has accomplished since preschool. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, as lofty as the Himalayas. But for some reason or another, it all went wrong, as wrong as World War II. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I am your host, Chris, uh, I'm, oh my God, how I, how I how say, oh, you're me, I'm your bitch. host, Chris File, damn it. Well, okay, I can
0: you you've, i mean, it wasn't the first thing that you said wrong because you did also say the Himalayas instead of apparently the Himalayas.
1: What? All right, you know what? Take it easy there, Heinrich Himmler, whatever the fuck your name is, character that Brad Pitt plays. I'm going to take this back again but I'm not even going okay. to record. You know what? We're just going to do it live. I am your host Joe Reed, not Chris File for God's sake. And I am here with my co-host Chris File, not Joe Reed. Hi, Hi Chris. Hi guys. Anything else I got wrong in that opening? Give <laughs> it. Um, I mean,
0: it, I mean it, it, it's fitting because uh, we, I'm sure we will talk dialects, accents, vocal work by one Mr. Bradley Pittman. In the movie Seven Years in Tibet, but the first words out of his mouth made me scream out loud in my home.
1: (laughs) What were they? So it's fitting
0: that you have a small mess up at the beginning. It's fine.
1: What were his first words? Do you remember them or the just something
0: stupid? He was like angry and outraged, so it was like an expression, but it was also the utter shock of a dialect that is not his own coming out of his voice which we've already well established is not Brad Pitt's thing.
1: Right? This movie was a year before uh Meet Joe Black and already like it was he was ramping up to the vocal ridiculousness that is on display in that film. Um yeah, there's a, there's a type of fake German accent that goes overboard in a way that feels almost like it's verging on French a little bit, and it's a little bit of, like... <laughs> I don't know. It's I can't quite... I'm trying to think of, like, what would be the sample word to, like, really nail it. But, Apparently,
0: um, it's Himalayas, because every time <laughs> that Brad Pitt said the Himalayas in this movie, <sighs> I wanted to jump out of my chair and tell him to shut up. I don't know.
1: Everything about this movie seems wrong, just even so slightly. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Where, like, the accents, is wrong. the accents are wrong. Anytime he has a conversation with anybody in Tibet, I always feel like that's not how a conversation like this would go. Like, it's all too, like, casually Western in its rhythms. The way he talks very. to the Dalai Lama and the way they get along is all very much like you just, like, picked out a kid from a San Francisco day school and you just brought him to set. Like, there's nothing sort of, like... Different culture. It never feels like two cultures meeting with these two people, right? No, it always not feels in any like,
0: authentic way. It feels very much like
1: uh, I don't. want to... It feels it's like an incredibly new, white movie. It feels like the new boyfriend of this kid's mom has decided he's going to like make an effort to get to like connect with this kid, and so like every day they go and like have a chat session. Like that's how it sounds. It does not sound like two incredibly disparate and foreign cultures sort of having a coming-together moment and, like, learning about each other's cultures at all, at all. You
0: do save the movie a little bit of, like, what I was bristling for the whole time, of, like, look at how, uh, you know, like, essentially Green Book with the Dalai Lama, you know? (laughs) Yeah, kinda, yeah. That's what I was expecting the movie to become, and it didn't really do that quite. But my it's very still first, not
1: great. My very first thought about this movie, and it's a very pedestrian thought, and it's a thing you know we say a lot lately, but like honestly, imagine somebody having the stones to try and make this movie in 2019, and how much they would be utterly destroyed for it.
0: <laughs> this movie would be eviscerated. Like, I mean, it right, was not though,
1: uncontroversial like, in 1997. Like Even no. in 1997, I remember people being like, they're whitewashing that Nazi, right? And it's just like... I mean, whitewashing is you know double it, meaning here, and you yes. know what I mean. But like, they certainly did a. There's a whole lot of effort to make this Nazi seem like only like, uh, um, like abstractedly Nazi or just like accidentally Nazi, right? Where not just Nazi. Like, well, you know, not who wasn't, yeah, yeah, right. Not <laughs> he puts the not in Nazi, yeah. yeah. Um. But like, and so that was like a controversy even back in 1997. And of course, this was based on a book by the the by the Brad Pitt character who wrote this book. So obviously, there are like, if you were a Nazi, I'd probably, if I were a Nazi, I'd probably downplay those <laughs> aspects of my past as well. Um, but it's uh, imagining, just imagining every little aspect about this today and all the things that you wouldn't do and all the things that we know better than not to do, right? Um But even but
0: but these things still happen. These movies are still made. Not this movie specifically, but like uh, uh, we have we learned.
1: I think so. I think I don't. I think at the very least. I
0: think at the very least, it's not like so overly glossy. Yes. Where it's like, look at this sexy not-a-Nazi. Like, right. this feels very wrapped up in a certain type of, like, 90s ego, where they're still chasing, like, these type of David Lean epic movies. Yeah. That we wouldn't do that Specifically.
1: Well, and and because in these sort of like old, you know, David Lean epic movies and whatever, like, we never cared to scratch the surface too much on like who these heroic like that's how like all these things now where you found out like X and X person who we like revere as a hero and like did all these great things and you're just like they were anti-Semitic. And it's just like ah and you're just like they were racist, and it's just like, damn it. But like there was less of a concern with that kind of thing, whereas now everybody's an investigator, so like you're never going to get away with anything like that. And this movie puts it all on front street anyway, so it Mm -hmm. doesn't even matter. Where it's just sort of like, like, no, he's a Nazi. So he's not a bad (laughs) Nazi, but he's a Nazi. They
0: do try to play it off like he might... It's this interpretable, like, maybe he's, like, you know... A resistant towards it or something where it's like they hand him a nazi flag and he like snatches it like he doesn't want it or something like well
1: that was part of the controversy i think was that in the the movie version of this character he doesn't says certain things that were not present in the book that are designed to distance himself where he like yes pro- he says i'm austrian he like corrects somebody who says are you german he says no. And that would
0: have got him shot and they mention
1: Austrian guy. like 20 different times in this movie, just yeah. so we're sure that he's an Austrian and not a German. And so we make that distinction. And I think in real life, he was like, he was like, he had a, a rank in within the SS. Do you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. probably wasn't a very high rank, but like, whatever. And, you know, I'm sure he did have a, you know, reckoning with the old beliefs and spending all that time in Tibet. I'm certain would have like changed his mind on a lot of things, but it still feels like a lot of ass covering. And I mean, Yeah, like, if you're
0: going to tell that story where it truly does change a person, this is not the movie that does that. Right. It's this, I don't know, like... Yeah. Well... (laughs) It isn't really, like, a reckoning specifically with his Nazism.
1: Right. No, absolutely not. No, it's a cute story, ultimately, about a very handsome man and a very cute kid... Um, yeah. Coming to terms, and then having their lives thrashed apart by the the Chinese communists. So,
0: and yeah. really, all that like it amounts to in terms of the movie's narrative is he gets to be like reconciled with the son he didn't want to have because right. he leaves his pregnant wife behind. Like, and
1: then they go climbing mountains and, of like, their that's own. That's
0: the emotional catharsis. Yeah,
1: we'll get into that. We'll get into the whole, you know trendy Dalai Lama of the 90s stuff. We'll get into whatever kind of Oscar hopes this movie did have, which, like, you know, this subject matter in the 90s, like, this was probably as we were reaching the end of... This feels like a very 80s-style movie mm-hmm. in the 90s, where, like, I think if this movie were made in the 80s, it would probably do very well. Um, but it was, yeah. it, it was an instructive, I think um line of demarcation as to where we were even in nineteen ninety seven that people were just like no <laughs> I don't think so not this um and also and the movies course, incredibly
0: is, boring too so it's like of yeah, course this wouldn't also make Also
1: that. Also that. Yeah. And of course 1997, we were not we had no patience for boring movies because we had like literally like five a five solid block of best picture nominees that were like great. So There was no room in 97 for anything else, but we will get into all of that. First of all, I'm going to try and make you recount this plot in 60 seconds once I run down the basics of this movie, so I will let you mentally prepare while I tell our listeners that we are talking about this week, Seven Years in Tibet, 1997 movie directed by Jean-Jacques Annaud, written by Becky Johnston, adapted from the novel by Heinrich Herrer, who is the main character. Starring Brad Pitt, David Thulis, BD Wong, and Jamyang Jamsto Wanchuk as the young Dalai Lama, who's yeah. adorable. I love him. Who doesn't love that kid? Cool kid. He's an adorable Dalai Lama. This premiered September 13th, 1997, as the closing night film at the Toronto International Film Festival. Can you opened- imagine? No, I cannot. I truly cannot. After all that, like, <laughs> we've been to movies at the end of the festival. We're just like, just keep me awake. I'm mm-hmm. like, this would not do it. I don't care how attracted to Brad Pitt you are, which I am very. This era of Brad Pitt is all <laughs> right.
0: So you are into the sun in <laughs> um, uh Von Trapp child Brad Pitt.
1: The ha- the hair is, is is too is too straw like. It's very much, you know, the yeah. hair the hair is yellow as corn. Like that's what you're looking for in Into the Woods is like Brad Pitt hair. Um, but he's his face, that face, that punem, like look at that face. It's adorable. <laughs> um, opened wide October eighth, nineteen ninety seven and promptly was uh dismissed by America, it got beat at the box office by, among other things, the Peacemaker, which was the first DreamWorks wasn't it the first? I do believe.
0: Months?
1: Yeah. A moment in time. Truly a moment in time. Christopher, are you ready? Are you prepared? I think so. To ascend to the peaks of Tibet and the the beautiful temples of Lhasa and to tell us all everything there is to know about seven years in Tibet. Yeah. As Goldie Hawn might say.
0: <laughs> seven it's years
1: a- in Tibet. It's Twelve years a slave. In Tibet. It's it's that it's that lilt at the end that really that really makes it. Alright. Um Alright, one minute. Are you ready? Sure. Seven years in Tibet and go.
0: All right. So the movie opens with Heinrich Harrer. How have however you pronounce his name? He is being sent on a mission to climb the Himalayas um, on behalf of the Nazi Party. Um, he's essentially immediately kidnapped by the British forces and held in a prisoner of war camp for um, several years. But eventually, he makes an escape with uh, David Thewlis's character, Peter. Um, whatever his last name was, they um, are they escape to Tibet, where they are taken in um, by diplomats. 30 um ah, meanwhile he um because they are taken in there and they are peaceful or whatever he ends up becoming a tutor to the dalai lama and they befriend each other he teaches them about basically geography um and like a lot of western culture type of things um and, and meanwhile the uh relations with china uh china invades tibet and uh massacres a lot of people and um he flees and lives and stays friends with the dalai lama
1: the end Correct. That is time. You did um, omit. Ah, sorry. Okay, Jesus Christ. Oh my God, it's <laughs> Shut up! Why don't you shut up? <laughs> there we go. You did... Um, it's my phone, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> shamelessly trying to grab attention from the two of us. Thank you very much. Uh, You didn't mention B.D. Wong and his character, which is evil femme um, diplomat politician. You
0: know that he's gay because he has one dangly earring.
1: (laughs) You know that he's gay for so so many reasons. It's just like, it's, you know, somehow, uh, you know, Madam Butterfly snuck in and decided to sell all... The Tibetan State Secrets. Um, yeah, that was a very sort of just like, it, it was one of those things where it's just like, I guess it's not overt homophobia, but it would probably be within like the celluloid Closet documentary, like at some right. point where it's just yeah. like, he's so like, we don't trust him because he's wearing a dress, like, yeah, <laughs> da, 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 da. and then of course he does like the most like unnuanced version of like, Uh, betraying his own people, where he just like sets sets the um, munitions to explode and surrenders to China with you know where and the other old. I love that the other old Tibetan is just sort of, like, there to play, like, egging Brad Pitt on. And he's just like, you know, we could have held them off for a year, right? And it's just like, (laughs) you know we had enough munitions to, like, put up a fight to the long enough for another country to come save us, right? And then Brad Pitt's getting, like, more and more steamed. And it's just like, wow, you couldn't have, like, written the B.D. Wong character with any degree of nuance. Where it's just like, you couldn't have at least, like, given us a little bit of a sense of, like, what his where he was coming from on this which was probably right. like hey i would rather not to have like my countrymen get slaughtered by the chinese anymore in this war that we cannot win so you know i don't know it's not like i'm saying he's I, right, they
0: don't go like full mrs danvers on him it's not <laughs> like he has like he's not like portrayed as lusting over brad pitt Though maybe that's just, like, mid-90s and, like, any lust would be just, like, it's fucking Brad Pitt, man.
1: I was gonna say, like, just, like, anybody who looks at Brad Pitt in this movie is lusting after Brad Pitt. Like, let's be honest. Um, This was the same year, also, as The Devil's Own, which I always have in my mind as some sort of, like, peak Brad hotness for whatever reason.
0: Because he's in profile on that poster. I think that's what it is. And it feels, like, way more of a glamour shot.
1: Even though, like, there's
0: never been a more glamour shot. Well, I guess he's in profile on, like, the original Seven Years in Tibet poster, but, like, the DVD and VHS is just, like, his face.
1: Hold on, let me see if I can bring it up on IMDb. Yeah, the poster that they have on IMDb is the shot in the film where Brad and the young Dalai Lama are, like, touching foreheads to show Mm -hmm. friendship. Yeah. And the kid's got, like, his hands on either side of Brad's face. But even still, like, that's Brad in profile. You can see his perfect, like, lips and face and whatever. A,
0: a perfect amount of the, like, uh, mathematical equivalent of perfection of his bangs falling down.
1: Also true. Somebody should, like, put some, like, actual, like, math to that. Like, bring out a protractor. And a just super be, cut like, of Brad Pitt's 90s bangs. Oh, that's worth it. Because in Devil's Own, you're right, Devil's Own's poster is, it's like, um, it's like the ABBA, um, (laughs) Knowing (laughs) knowing Me, me, Knowing You, you, Ah! where it's just like that they, like, that they recreate Muriel's wedding, where it's just like one face was forward and the other one faces sideways, and in this case it's Harrison Ford facing forward, and then Brad Pitt coming at you from the right side with the profile, and his hair is, like, floppier in this, he's got, like, it's a little more sort of, like, wavy But again, perfect, and like the lips are in a little bit of like a tight. Like he's, you know, he's 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 nervous. He's he's worried. He and
0: Harrison Ford could conceivably kiss.
1: Well, like literally, even though they play brothers, if you talk about, no, they're not brothers. I
0: think they play brothers in that movie, but in the poster, it's very suggestive. Like
1: I think Brad Pitt's just like a a guy like staying at their house. I think he's like just like.
0: Really, I thought they were like brothers, and one of them was IRA. I don't know.
1: Well, he, well, Brad Pitt's definitely IRA in this. Hold on, I'm going to look up the plot of the Double Zone.
0: Regardless, oh the the long version that we're trying to tell you, listeners, is this is the year that Brad Pitt like dialects were the thing, and it really backfired.
1: Oh yeah, like this was again. We've we've already talked about Meet Joe Black. It is. A disaster. And, uh, all right, I'm on the Devil's Own page. Shout out to our Micho Black episode. I loved that episode. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're brothers, I gotta say. Sorry.
0: I thought that it's okay. I. Yeah. So they I can make what, out, is the important just, part about that. Yes, they can They can definitely make out. Now they can will definitely. They? Make That's out. the tension of the Devil's Own. Um,. Speaking of the celluloid closet, maybe that's why it's called the Devil's zone. As in, like, they're going to the devil because they're going to
1: kiss. Oh, because they want to kiss each other. That's it. Excellent. Otherwise, it would be called the Angel's Delight. I don't know. That also sounds like a terrible <laughs> sex thing, doesn't it? <laughs> what did he do to you? The Angel's Delight? Oh, boy.
0: No, it was anyway. a real Devil's Own situation.
1: Look at okay, so like this is the Brad Pitt. I just want to like I know I like tend to like go through filmographies sometimes, but like Brad Pitt in the '90s is one of the more fascinating like things ever, right? So like Thelma and Louise happens 1991, the big breakthrough. Everybody sees his abductor muscles, and it's like goes fucking crazy and rightfully so. We all want to rob banks, rightfully so. Um, not, not a jury in the world would convict Gina Davis of that crime, which is why it's so sad that they <laughs> went over a cliff. Because honestly, just like just like put him on the witness stand and tell him to take his shirt off and just be like, "Your Honor, I ask you." Look what this did to me. Look at what this did to me. And, I'm already, and and the judge would already be throwing dollar bills onto Brad Pitt, so like, it's, like, it's a mistrial. The judge,
0: track. played by a homosexual Harrison
1: Ford. <laughs> it all comes together. All right, so after Thelma and Louise, it's Johnny Suede, which is um, the... Who directed that movie? That I might have to say Tom I DeSillo? don't know what
0: Johnny Suede is.
1: To- that's but- that Tom DeSillo movie where Brad Pitt has the ridiculous... um tall, weird hair, which is the one that, uh, that's the template for the actor, the James LaGrosse actor in yeah. Living in Oblivion, if you've ever seen Living in Oblivion. Where he it's just keeps like, the tall
0: hair, though, for Cool World.
1: Yes, so Cool World is next, which like he's so fucking sexy in Cool World, but also Cool World again, like is a movie that the concept is sexuality switches, and it was (laughs)
0: bad. Uh, myself as well. I remember my parents taking like me and all of my brothers and sisters to see Cool World, not knowing that Cool World is about how you have sex with an animated creature to make Uh them human. Uh Huh. Um, that's and then, a lot of cool
1: <laughs> and then comes the era where he literally just goes like one off and like switches off between like idyllic pastoral um, farm boy hotness to grungy hasn't showered also hotness where it's like river runs through it followed by California followed by true romance followed by legends of the fall and it's just like that is whiplash inducing in terms <laughs> of the the the, the image that he's projecting on the screen, right?
0: Let's also not exclude Interview with the
1: Vampire from this narrative. We cannot. Interview with the Vampire is the one where he's just like, oh, also, like, I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm gonna, like, again, make all your weird sexuality buttons go kerflooey, because (laughs) Tom Cruise and I are gonna, like, neck atop the tall mast of a ship in... (laughs) you know what i mean <laughs> like i'm going to like lay myself out there for like antonio banderas to come and fuck me like it's a whole goddamn thing it's so good um 1995 is a big transition year he does 7 and 12 monkeys gets the golden globe win for 12 monkeys his first oscar nomination it's like brad's here he's a real actor he can like play with the big boys he like is fully toe-to-toe with morgan freeman and not only like survives but is maybe the best performer in that movie in seven it's oh, i love it's Morgan a lot. Freeman in that movie i do too i love the both of them but like i think they're both so good mm-hmm. um 1996 is a little bit of a step back sleepers is not the movie that anybody really he's wants one
0: of a million be. floating heads on that poster
1: yes that poster so okay like, can
0: you... who even steps away from that movie
1: can you guess there are four floating heads on that movie, on that movie poster with weirdly mm-hmm. five named, not five names on the poster. So like one of them is just not there. That's weird. Well, one of them is Jason Patrick. Yep. He's, he's like, the, he's, he's got the, the Nev
0: Campbell glamor spot of like, look at this triangle of actors. Um, yep. uh, uh, He is on the poster.
1: Yep. He's on the poster.
0: Um, uh, Kevin Bacon.
1: Kevin Bacon's on the poster. Okay. He's the villain. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was
0: him or not. I'm trying to remember who else is in that movie. Was it... Hmm.
1: I can't remember who's in this movie. Okay, so the poster, you got Bacon, Patrick, and Pitt. You're right. And then the other two actors on the poster are robert de niro and dustin hoffman oh robert de niro was like the good priest and dustin hoffman as their lawyer it's gotta be de niro i would have guessed de niro it is hoffman and also not on the poster in any way is minnie driver who i think is like excellent in that movie Excellent As, like, whatever. In most movies. She's just like the girlfriend, but whatever. So, Sleepers doesn't do what we want them to do. And then 1997 is when it's just like, because it's like Seven Years in Tibet and The Devil's Own, and both of them kind of flop. <laughs> and. It's just sort of like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? And then B- Meet Joe Black happens, and that really flops. And it's just like, what is to be done about Brad Pitt? Now we're at the end of the 90s. It's just like, what's going to happen? And then literally, just as the decade is ending, he does Fight Club, and then it's just like, all right, well, all bets are off. Now it's just like, he's literally like, you could like expect anything from him. And then he goes on into the 2000s, and the rest of his career. But it's a real interesting run. I would love to like do... like. A weekend marathon of all of Brad Pitt's 90s movies.
0: The problem is, like, half of these are not good movies, right? No. And I mean, like, especially the era that, like, we're talking about. And we got into some of this in Meet Joe Black. But, like, I don't know if that would be good for one's loins to take that much <laughs> mid 90s <laughs> Brad Pitt at once. I mean,
1: I, I hear, ya. I I hear you. I don't
0: think that we can stress enough how hot Brad Pitt was in this era. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think we have Mm -hmm. a really, like, apples-to-apples comparison to today. Where it's like, he could literally show up in a trash bag and... Uh I don't know, some type of weird wig, and people would have gone for it. Like, you talked about how he did, like, dirty roles, and then, like, farm boy roles. Interview with a Vampire is, like, basically a corset movie. Right.
1: It's like... He's a cop, he's a criminal, he's a psychopath, he's like... He's, like,
0: like sexy in all contexts during this era, right? Like, anything you throw at him, he is at least going to be so hot. But then there's this weird if you like take a step back and you look at it, it- there's this kind of like square peg round hole situation yeah, going so cool. on that like it gets worse and worse and it's leading up to it and like you're very right that fight club is the thing that kind of changes it where it's like this the industry didn't really know what to do with him except allow him to be
1: sexy the fight club is the movie because not only does it like it, does it turn up the crank in terms of um, the kinds of films that he'll do? Like, it's like, it's not his first Fincher, but mm-hmm. it's the Fincher that just, like, goes way, way, way too far. Yeah, And it's a huge acting showcase, but also it treats Brad Pitt's sexuality like a, like a carnival funhouse, and it's just like, and it makes it legitimately too much, honestly. Where it's just like, you can't, like, Brad Pitt is so naked in fight club without like actually showing anything like he's the at most naked times. you can be without actually showing any kind of nudity and yet like it's hard you are to say. you
0: are millimeters away from stem at any right. given moment
1: at any and especially we all know the scene i'm talking about where Helena bottom card is talking to him in the doorway and and he's wearing like the rubber gloves and it's just like, <laughs> but, he, but, like but it's also weirdly hard to find him Alluring in that movie because everything else is just so like toxic and disgusting, gross and toxic and whatever. And it's just like, so uh, somehow, like, that movie broke the meter on sexy Brad Pitt and it kind of freed him for the rest of the 2000s. It's not like he was never sexy again, but like, movies like Snatch were like, honestly, his sexuality has nothing to do with Snatch whatsoever. And that's maybe like the first time that had happened ever. Mm -hmm. And And then he's just, like, he's in, like, Ocean's Eleven and the Mexican and not playing the, like, heartthrob. He's just, like, the dude. You know what I mean? He's just sort of, like, he's just, like, gets to be his character. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. Where he has, like, the crispy,
0: spiky hair that, like...
1: Yeah. So
0: popular in the early 2000s. But I don't know. There's just a sense to the roles that he, I guess, was given or, like, took in the 90s where it's, like... Some of these are, like, auteur movies. Like, even The Devil's Own is an Alan Pacula movie. Yeah. Where it's, like, you can see the, like, all of the finger quotes, right, decisions being made. And you can see the, like, slow build up to the type of frustration that he expressed, like, coming out of that period of the type of roles he was being given. And uh, having not seen The Devil's Own... I think that this movie 7 Years in Tibet is like the real like bottom of that. Like maybe even worse mm-hmm. than Meet Joe Black because like that movie is like fun a fascination museum. It's a
1: fun failure. It really is. Where it's like I...
0: trying to do something. This is just like Yep. It just sits so there. So beige. It's even like has a beige perspective on what makes Brad Pitt beautiful. Like there's the obligatory scene where he takes his shirt off. Um, where I was yes. like, that is absolutely in his contract that that yep. had to happen.
1: Yep. God bless. But, like, I don't know. It makes him look...
0: Like, I got bored looking at Brad Pitt at the in this era.
1: In terms of his, like... If you're talking about, like, to try and crystallize the, like, um, prototypical this-had-Oscar-buzz movie for Brad Pitt, it is somewhere on the road between... Seven years in Tibet and Mito Black, right? We're like those yeah. are the two sides of that coin, and I think that's right. And I think, in terms of Oscar buzz at this point, he'd already had the Oscar, the first Oscar nomination for Twelve Monkeys, and he won the Golden Globe for that, and that was like a real moment because then all of a sudden, it's not just you know Brad Pitt, the hunk that everybody loves, but it's like now it's like oh so now we're gonna start looking forward to which is the movie that is going to be the thing to maybe get him an academy award because now mm-hmm. he's come so close. He was like clearly the runner up in 95 to uh Spacey. Spacey wins for The Usual Suspects and but ultimately like that was the movie where it's just like oh Brad Pitt can act, which is funny because if you go back and watch 12 Monkeys, a movie that I love and a performance of his that I really do love, but it is as ticky as anything you've ever seen. It's all yeah. twitches and it's all whatever. And he's playing it so big and it's not even subtle. And it's like, it is far from what his best performance is, if you look at his whole career now. Even though, at the time, and I can still probably, I'll still stand by that performance. Just because I do think it's what the movie requires of him. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if, like, isolated from everything else. It it's has a real, so like... Impressive
0: greasing the gears feel to what we love Brad Pitt for. Yeah. um, Like, today, and, like, what he does well today, and, like, these type of character performances. But I think you're right that it is, like... I mean, it's from a Terry Gilliam movie. It's not going to be subtle...
1: I feel like 1995 was the year where like my movie going aesthetic really started to like take shape to sound mm-hmm. fully obnoxious and pretentious but like honestly true where like all of a sudden I was into I was so into 12 Monkeys, I was so into The Usual Suspects, I was so into 7 and like that was like obviously my taste in movies would like become more sophisticated from there but like Those were movies that appealed to this sort of, like, 15-year-old boy who's getting into movies, who's just like, oh, these all appeal to my sense of intelligence and aesthetics at once, where all of a sudden... And, like, grim seriousness that's appealing to a 15-year-old boy. Totally, totally. But, I will say, the grim seriousness of those movies also was a little bit weird, right? Like, Twelve Monkeys is bizarre like 7 even for like 7 is so grim serious that like that becomes almost the joke of it by the end and um the usual I mean I still stand up for the usual suspects I think that's just like I think that's a fun thriller like that is a kind of a great whodunit and I don't know it's it's an interesting point in time and I think that's probably a big reason why Brad Pitt is such a sort of looming figure for me in, like, my my lifetime of watching movies. Where I were mean... you? Where were you with, with with this sort of era of Brad? When it was
0: happening? I mean, I probably wasn't watching these movies at the time, which is, like... Uh, Seven, I was too afraid to watch at that time. Um, I did watch yeah. Interview with a Vampire, because gay... Okay. Um, mm. and I watched a ton of Legends of the Fall because that's like one of my mother's favorite movies Nice, but mostly Brad Pitt existed in the abstract to me it's a certain type of like 90s celebrity and maybe that's why I'm like nothing today compares to 90s Brad Pitt in that like you could fully have a very formed conception and curiosity of a person without ever really engaging with their work yeah. Which I suppose there's a, a type of that today, but I don't know. Brad Pitt feels like the it of it.
1: Um, yeah. I don't know. Here's a funny thing. If you think about Brad Pitt being positioned for best actor for seven years in Tibet, look at the lineup of what best actor turned out to be. and like, all mostly the same shit <laughs> of well, these, like, well, this- not
0: necessarily, because you have legends like uh, Jack Nicholson, but like when you had people furious that Leo didn't get nominated for Titanic at the time. Well, right.
1: So the story of best actor this year was very much Old Guard versus New Hotness, right? Where mm-hmm. like Nicholson, Robert Duvall for The Apostle, Peter Fonda for Yuli's Gold, that great big c- comeback story for Yuli's Gold for Peter Fonda, and then Dustin Hoffman, who's sort of like caught the voters fancy towards the end of that year uh, in Wag the Dog which is like honestly I do love Nicholson in As Good as It Gets but Hoffman might get my vote in that mm-hmm. in that five I think he's so good in Wag the Dog and then on the other side of that Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting who had the whole Ben and Matt story like that impeccable narrative for Goodwill Hunting one of the greatest Oscar narratives I've ever seen honestly um DiCaprio for for Titanic which was both hugely beneficial to him and yet like it's kind of easy to see why he was the snub. Because Oh,
0: absolutely. Because it's like it's a performance that just doesn't stack up, kind of. Well, he's, like, one of the least interesting things about Titanic, even though... But
1: also, he was the one with who was, like, seemingly benefiting most from the movie's success, because, like... Absolutely. His star was skyrocketing. His, like, asking price was just going up, 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 up. He's, you know, roaming the streets of New York City with his pussy posse. Like, it's a whole fucking thing. And, like, obviously, that's the one where it's just like, well, he's got his reward. He doesn't need an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. And then also... And he'd he
0: had, already had an Oscar nomination, especially for right. young. Young actors, like it's one thing to even be nominated in the first place, but like imagine no- them nominating them again. It's the same thing that I'm like. This is part of the reason why Timothy Chalamet I didn't get nominated like last year. Yeah, it's like they, it's like you have your one, and then they're gonna make you wait.
1: Yeah, and then also in '97 you had Mark Wahlberg with the breakthrough role for Boogie Nights, which is. In many ways, I am surprised that didn't happen for him also, because that's a great narrative as well. The sort of, like, you know, unrespected musician, you know, white boy Boston Mm -hmm. thing. Like, he's... All the stuff that, like, ultimately we find out is, like, horrible and gross about Mark Wahlberg. Like, fucking punching people to almost death and shit like that. Yeah.
0: But, like... As a hate crime? Yeah. Um... Uh, the but, like, Mark Wahlberg then, thing, like, definitely is m- even more on the outskirts, probably because of what that movie was. You know, we should be lucky that it got the nominations it did, um, but, considering the like stingy, stodginess of "It's About Porn."
1: Sure, but I also feel like I think there's a there's not you wouldn't need to nudge that universe too much to have Boogie Nights have like eight nominations including best picture right absolutely where i think that could have gone either way but i think it's such a very competitive year for best actor and i just don't see where brad pitt in seven years in Tibet, even if that movie was good and even if he was good in it Mm -hmm. i don't know where that fits in you know what i mean Well,
0: I mean, like, to bring it back to, like, the David Lean epicness of it, like, we were already given the David Lean epic to end all David Lean epics with Titanic, too. So it's, like, it's also partly where does this movie even fit in when you have not only just, like, Titanic being huge as this, like, sweeping epic, but you also have Kundun from Scorsese, who's a bigger director, making a movie about the Dalai Lama.
1: And that one had all of the like below the line nominations sewn up. Yeah, it had it was like four this all star cast of contributors where it's Deacons doing cinematography, right? It's um Dante Ferretti doing costumes and art direction. the the, the is I think Philip Glass did the score. Like yes. it's really like it's it's really something else, I will say. And um yeah, you're right. Like it's it's all things seem to be conspiring to make Seven Years in Tibet look even less than. Um, but also, you look at the way the year shook out, right? Where it's a very December kind of a year, right? Titanic, mm-hmm. as good as it gets, Goodwill Hunting, all December. I think LA Confidential is the early movie that year because it was September, October, something like that um September open September 1997 but like Wag the Dog is a late movie I'm pretty sure the Apostle was late fall although let me look that up yeah the Apostle was December Apostle had had like a festival run at least sure right right a lot of these had festival runs including well that's where I was sort of like running up to this was um seven years in Tibet open or closes the Toronto Film Festival in 1997 which like it's so funny to think of these movies playing tiff back in the 90s before (laughs) this was before tiff had sort of attained that kind of sparkle of being the oscar sort of launching pad for. yeah that would come two
0: years later with american beauty for the most part
1: but if you look at this lineup of TIFF this year and I'm going to tell you don't go look at it now because I have made a game for us but um uh-huh. if you look at the TIFF lineup in 1997 there's a lot of contenders there um not only just Oscar contenders but also movies that were that are like still hugely memorable and it's a really interesting mix and so Rather than just have us look at the list on Wikipedia and talk about it, I made up a game oh, that is oh. sort of similar to what we've done before. Before, we've done the Guess the Movie by Keywords, and we've done Guess the Movie by... What was the last one that the, the, the uh, listener We did the par- the Parents' Guide. Parents' Guide thing, which is super fun. All right, so for this game, I have, I've selected... Uh, i I've selected a selection. Nice one, Joe. Very good. I've pulled out a selection of films from the 1997 Toronto Film Festival, and I'm going to have you guess them, and you're going to have a choice before you get the clues, right? You can either get keywords, which you get five plot keywords from the film, tagline, which is the tagline, or (laughs) the second highest-billed actress in the film. Second highest-billed actress. Yes. So, some of these movies, the Certain clues will be more valuable than others. In certain movies, the second build actress is going to be nobody you've ever heard of. In certain of these ones, the tagline is going to help you zero. So, like.
0: Well, 90s taglines, especially. Yeah. All right. This is right. going to be
1: tough. Yeah. So, for your first film, do you want the, ta- the tagline, the keywords, or second build actress? I want the keywords. You want the keywords. Okay. Keywords are 1970s, cocaine, pool party, firecracker and big penis it's gotta be boogie nights that is boogie nights it's so good start you off easy all right all right so for your second film you're going to choose the tagline or the second build actress we won't have you do we won't let you do the same clue twice in a row i will do the tagline all right so the tagline for this is there is no such thing as the simple truth
0: oh god that could be like four different genres yeah it's not very helpful uh what's if, a 1997 movie? There's no such thing as the simple truth. It's got to be like a, like a courtroom drama. But what from the nine from 97? I'll let you
1: choose one of the other ones. Either keywords okay. or second build actress. Second build actress, please. All right, this one's gonna help you. Second build actress is Sarah Polly. Oh, is it the sweet hereafter? It's the sweet hereafter. The sweet hereafter. Keywords are community, mourning, wheelchair, lawsuit, and school bus. Ah, that would have given it. Yeah. Uh, All right, next one. Uh, so now you can do keywords or second build actress because you did tagline for the last one. Second build actress. Second build actress is Miranda Richardson.
0: Oh. What was she doing in '97?
1: Can I get the keywords? Yes. Uh, written and directed by cast member. Southern Gothic, Louisiana, car in a river, and preacher.
0: Is it the apostle? It's the apostle with. I've long. never seen that. Didn't know
1: she was in it. Yes, and I think but the knowing first now that she's actress, in it. Hold on, I want to look up who the first build actress is because I want to say it's. It's Patricia Richardson, I think, or else she's in Yuli's Gold. It's one of those two because I get those two. No, Patricia Richardson, I think, is in Yuli's Gold. Farrah Fawcett is the top-billed actress in Uh. The Apostle. All right, your next one. So do you want keywords or tagline? We'll do the tagline. All right, tagline. The secrets that hold us together can also tear us apart. Oh. Um, hmm.
0: Uh second build actress.
1: Second build actress is Megan Good.
0: Oh great.
1: Um uh, keywords. Keywords are Louisiana, Witchcraft, Philandering, Aunt Niece Relationship.
0: Wait, is it Eve's Bayou? It's Eve's Bayou.
1: Yeah. 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 A lot of actresses. I would have put money on Lynn Whitfield being the second billed actress in East Bayou, but nope. It's no, she's it. the first. She's No. Does she get uh, top billing? Journey Smollett gets uh, top billing because she's uh, well... the kid. All yeah, right, but
0: so... usually the kid gets,
1: like, last billing or I fourth. Know. It's a wild world. All right, so the next one. Keyword or second billed actress? Uh, keywords, please. Keywords are survival tactics, airplane accident, battle of wits. Stupid victim and grizzly bear. <laughs>
0: Stupid victim, grizzly bear.
1: This can't be the edge. It is the edge. The edge played oh the my Toronto my god. Festival. David managed the edge. Played tiff, starring who? Our beloved
0: Anthony Hopkins and uh, did not beloved Alec Baldwin.
1: No, but the more beloved than both of them is Bart the Bear. Oh yes, Bart Our the Bear. Original. Not Bart the Bear two original Bart the Bear we love you Bart the Bear Um, (laughs) the tagline though is they were fighting over a woman when the plane went down now their only chance for survival is each other
0: the, the Edge, Edge has the most like, intense floating heads ever on a poster.
1: Also, I was floored that there even was a 2nd build actress in The Edge. Because honestly, I was just like, it's just Elle McPherson, <laughs> right? It's just like nobody else. <laughs> but apparently Kathleen Wilhoyt was in there somewhere, with second-billed. build. All right, so for this like, next one... Like, as a one, nurse, probably. Right, probably. Tagline or 2nd build actress for this next one?
0: Uh, give me the tagline.
1: Your tagline is, There is no gene for the human spirit. Uh that's Gattaca. Sure is. Sure is Gattaca. Yep. Who do you think is the second yep. build actress in Gattaca?
0: Uh ooh. Yeah. Is there a, a second build actress in there Gattaca? It is.
1: It is uh Jane Brooke, famous from uh Chicago Hope and also Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. As a sour sister from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead.
0: I knew that tagline because I had a Gattaca poster. <laughs>
1: nice. That's awesome. Yes, I did. Keywords for Gattaca are future, urine sample, second class citizen, male rear nudity, and heightism. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, heightism! All right, I would have one. gotten it off of the 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 the, uh, the whatever I gotcha. the one was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, keywords or second build actress for this next film. Uh, let's do the keywords. Keywords are school teacher. Okay. Reference to Barbara Streisand. I'm going to let you in try and, and guess them as we go. What's that? In and out. It is in and out. Reference to Barbara Streisand, interrupted wedding, Academy Award, and gay kiss.
0: The, the b- scene, the bachelor party scene in In and Out, where they get into a fight because he's shitting on Yentl. Maybe he's right. Yentl sucks. Uh-oh.
1: What did you say? Yentl, it sucks. It's boring. Say that again. She was too old for Yentl. She was too old old for for Yentl. Can we give some kind of lifetime achievement award to Ernie Sabella for just having the perfect, like, raspy male voice <laughs> like if Pumbaa wasn't enough his line reading of she was too old for Yentel in In-N-Out is honestly we talked about is it the Frank or the Beans the other day or the other week with uh, Keith David when we were talking about uh, Cloud Atlas and how like an iconic reading from a character actor is one of my favorite things that for Ernie Sabella is truly like a moment uh, who do you think the second build actress in In-N-Out is uh, it's got to be uh, Debbie Reynolds. It is Debbie Reynolds. Well done. Yeah. Ugh. The closing credits to In-N-Out also, not to like get too deep in, on In-N-Out. The closing credits to In-N-Out, where everyone's dancing at Debbie Reynolds and Wilford Brimley's second wedding to Macho Man, is one of my favorite things to, to watch. It's so good.
0: In-N-Out seems like the type of thing that could have like won the People's Choice
1: Award. Did they still do the People's Choice Award that year? They probably did. Here's the thing about In and Out. It's almost a great movie. It's not. It is not a great movie. Right, right. But it like right. it has some greatness in it. It falls short. It for sure falls short. But like fascinatingly so, I think. Anyway, next one. Um, you did keywords there, right? Okay, so you're gonna do yes. tagline or second build actress.
0: Uh, let's do second build actress.
1: Second build actress is Allison Elliott. Oh. Ooh. Mm?
0: uh gimme the uh tagline.
1: Tagline is a couple with everything but money, an heiress with everything but love, a temptation no one could resist. <gasps> uh, 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 <laughs> uh what's the keywords? Keywords are based on a novel, Edwardian era, Love Triangle. Social climber, and gondola. Oh, it's Wings of the Dove. I knew Gondola would get it for you. Wings of the Dove. yeah, because it's right on the poster. Yeah, I still haven't
0: seen Wings of the Dove. It's been it's hard to see for a while, and great. it'll be on Hulu for like a month, uh-huh. and I forget.
1: Helena Bottom Carter is justly like rewarded for that movie. She's really, really great in it. All right, so next one: keywords or tagline? Oh, wait, there is no tagline, so just you, your only choice is keywords. Oh, uh, then keywords. Montreal, Quebec. Older woman, younger man relationship. Depression. Handyman. And adultery. I'm
0: getting hung up on Quebec. Adultery. A handyman. Who's my second billed actress?
1: Lara Flynn Boyle. Lara Flynn Boyle. What was she in that year? I was surprised to learn she was in this movie. I've never seen this movie. It is one, it is uh, a movie I should see at some point because it is a hole in a uh, continuum that I would like to
0: to have. A be- hole in a continuum. Is this an Oscar
1: nominee? It is, but in a particular category.
0: Best actress. Yes. Um. Mm, okay. Hold on. Is it? Uh, bu- What's the name of that movie Julie Christie was nominated for?
1: Indeed, what is the name of that movie Julie Christie
0: was nominated for? Um, Hold, hold, I got it, I got it.
1: It's
0: Afterglow.
1: Yes, Afterglow.
0: I, too, have not seen that movie that I can't even barely remember the name of.
1: If we had only attended the 1997 Toronto International Film Festival, we would have been able to see it. All right, last one. Um, Tagline or second-billed actress? Tagline, please. Uh, tagline is enter at your own risk. It's
0: very <laughs> vague. <laughs> um, uh, I guess the what?
1: keywords. Okay. I'm just saying, enter at your own risk. What do you enter? What things do you enter? Doors. Uh-huh. Doors to what? Rooms. What, rooms in what? A house? Uh-huh. Right, I'll give about you keywords. a house? I'll give you keywords. Okay. Eccentricity, Fraternal Twins, Thanksgiving. House of Yes? The House of Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Eccentricity, Fraternal Twins, Thanksgiving, Incest, Female Protagonist. Who do you think is the 2nd actress? This is the, actress? a very incest-heavy episode. I think you would have gotten it right away if I would have given you 2nd build actress. Who do you and think probably... is 2nd build actress in the House of Yes?
0: Um, uh, is Parker Posey billed twice?
1: No. <laughs> uh, it's probably Tory
0: Spelling. It's Tory Spelling. Yeah.
1: I think if I gave you Tory Spelling, you would know what movie I was talking about. Yeah, probably. All maybe. Right. That's our little fun, little keyword game for, for 97 TIFF. Well done. Fantastic. What a nice TIFF. What a nice tiff that was. What, a great, what, a, what great fun would have been had. Imagine going to see, and like, oh, I've got a three-movie day, and it's The House of Yes, The Edge, and Eve's Bayou. Like, what a great day. <laughs> what a great day that would be.
0: Would and per usual, The Closer, no offense, oh, Tiff, per usual, The Closer's
1: a piece woof, of shit. Woof. Yeah, for real. Oh, man. Can we talk about the Dalai Lama in the 1990s? Yes. What a trendy social cause for like Hollywood. Like it's such a quintessential. Like people always talk about like Save the Whales with a little bit of like a jokey like oh, you know, it was that was the, you know, the cause for celebrities back then, Save the Whales. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, I think the most Hollywood cause back then was the Dalai Lama because it wasn't even anything. I guess you could like donate money to like human rights activism to help, you know, Move right. towards an independent Tibet, or like, but whatever there's place. not
0: a fund, you know, like, or right. it's not an official fund. Like, there's smaller organizations right. that you could support.
1: Well, and also, if you were a big supporter of the Dalai Lama in the '90s, it mostly meant that, like, you enjoyed the fact that, like, Richard Gere was good friends with the Dalai Lama, right? Or yes. <laughs> we're like that was such was the a Dalai huge
0: Lama thing. ever on Oprah?
1: I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. Hmm. I don't know. I don't... But
0: that's, like, the type of, like... It's almost basically, like... When people are checking into, like, this Dalai Lama, like, ness Because it's, like, he is a man. He is a human person. Right. Who does good things. But it's, like... It's almost like this cult of celebrity. Well, it's, like... I don't, also supposed to be, like, a self-congratulatory good cause for a lot of people? I don't know. I,
1: I don't know how much actual distance lies between people who paid a lot of attention to the Dalai Lama in the 90s and people who paid a lot of attention to Ayanla Van Zant in the 2010s, where it's just like, in both ways, it was just sort of like, vague lifestyle improvements through, mm-hmm. like, whatever, and the Dalai Lama was just sort of, like, like was just there and was peaceful. That also
0: involves, at least in the cultural way that we're discussing it, a certain amount of cultural
1: tourism on the part of sure. people. Sure. Right. Whereas, like, I am a just gonna, like, yell at you and tell you what to do, right? Or, like, and just, you know, put a Belgian waffle in your face and say, like, it's a metaphor for your life or something.
0: But, like, she's not a licensed doctor. Of
1: course she's not. Neither is the Dalai Lama, I hate to tell you. Um, But, like, yeah, of course not. It's all very much like... But nobody treated him necessarily...
0: Well, I guess some celebrities treated him like a therapist.
1: Yeah, like a spiritual guide. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, whatever. That's, you know, that's a vague enough term anyway that you can get away with... You know anything like that, but yeah, no, it's it's I don't know, I don't find it too even like Dr. Phil, you know what I mean, like this kind of thing it's just like who are you listening right. to? Well, it's not like I think the Dalai Lama's a fraud, like Dr. Phil, no, a there's fraud. a
0: significance there, but it was treated in the same way as these other examples to the way where it's like people are almost like disrespecting the significance by making it like, yeah
1: a fad listen i don't know how much you know trust and belief you're supposed to put in somebody who was taught geography by a goddamn nazi so honestly (laughs) let's all maybe that's what this movie was really intended to do was to like blow the lid off of the whole dalai lama thing educated by nazis educated by nazis i'm just saying uh John Williams got a Golden Globe nomination and a Grammy nomination for his score for this movie. Thoughts, opinions?
0: John Williams, man. I mean, I, he has 9 million <laughs> Oscar nominations. We should say that he was nominated for Amistad this very year, so like it makes sense that a better received movie yeah. is the one that got him nominated and like makes it able for us to talk about this movie. Right. Um I haven't actually seen Amistad, so I'm just speaking to the reception.
1: Yeah, Amistad got some other Oscar nominations at, you know, Anthony Hopkins and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. But uh, John
0: Williams, who could—I mean, we—this episode's dropping the day the Oscar nominations come out, but he very likely could be a nominee again this year for Star for Wars. For Star Wars, right. Um, I would not be shocked to see that.
1: Uh-huh. Um, I would not either. I just— yeah. But like, the
0: non main the non like legendary <clears throat> John Williams scores,
1: a lot of them are bad, man. Like this score is bad. It's a really bad score. It's I I think it's a really bad score. Yeah. I don't it's know. sort of weak. It's sort of wilting. It's it's in no way memorable. It is no way evocative. It is characteristic
0: of, of everything else that is wrong about this movie. It's a very damp blanket on a hot day. <laughs> that is
1: a good way of putting it. Yeah, for sure. It did make me. The whole movie kind of made me want to see Kundun because I have never seen Kundun. But um, Kundun is great. Yeah, I Kundun Kundun imagine also long. doesn't.
0: Feel as much like it is this cultural tourism thing that this movie does and it's also like actually about the Dalai Lama which everything Seven Years in Tibet is one of those movies where it's like everything else that's going on with these non-white characters (coughs) is way more interesting and should be like our narrative focus like we want to watch that movie yeah Um, and Kundun is specifically about the 14th Dalai Lama's life yeah
1: yeah. I do want to see it. I should see it. Especially in it's, this...
0: I mean, you are someone who likes Silence, and it is one of
1: Scorsese's uh, religion movies. I do. So I'm much I think more you like, would like it. I'm much more like when Marty's making movies about priests than he is making movies about gangsters. I will say that. Um, yeah, in this month where I feel like I'm, you know, crapping on Scorsese left and right, I should do some Penance and, and watch Kundun and remember... I think you would like it. I probably would. Um, Anything at all to say about David Thewlis in this movie? They really silo him off into this, like, they sort of marry him off to this Tibetan woman and they have this one scene where Brad Pitt is just, like, really shitty to them, as he is to David Thewlis through most of this movie, until he, like, makes him a blanket or whatever. And um... I don't know. I was just like I. I don't know what the point of having him survive the mountain was, other than like he did in real life. The guy, the character, did in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like once he's actually in Lhasa, like they don't really do anything with him.
0: I'm uh, yes, you're you're right about that. He's like kind of the starts out as this foil who never really exists at the beginning because he's his uh, like. Not as general, but he's a higher rank than Brad Pitt, right? Right.
1: Yeah, he's the one who's like, hey, I don't know what you he's you're He's like doing. keeping I mean, him in line, be, like, ugh. You're going to be uh. climbing this mountain with me, friend. And this is like, okay. Through the first half hour of this movie, Brad Pitt's character is a dick, too, is the other thing. Yeah. Like, he's, like, being all show-offy, ice skating around the Tibetans. And because he doesn't get the attention of this, you know, woman that David Thewlis has become involved with, he gets all pissy, like... Save it for later, man.
0: <laughs> is this maybe the reason why Roger Ebert says that those two actors should have switched roles?
1: Oh, does he say that? That's in in interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Brad Pitt gets out of playing the dumb David Thewlis role, but like David Thewlis probably would be better as the lead of this movie, sure.
0: I mean, probably certainly more compelling because Brad yeah. Pitt is not very compelling in this movie. Yeah just because it's like i don't he's just miscast but i don't david thulis is one of the more i mean because of the harry potter franchise we they can like give him a name but he is one of those that guy actors yeah. that has never really gotten much of his chance i mean he's had some mike lee movies like naked that are supposed to be like his greatest work but right like, Can I tell you
1: the reason why I know, I've always known his name, and he was never just like, oh, that guy from that movie, was the TV promos for the Island of Dr. Moreau. He was always (laughs) named. It was always Marlon Brando, Val Kilmer, David David Thewlis. Marlon Brando. Val Kilmer. David Thewlis. The island, the island of Doctor Moreau, and I always thought that was like so strange because I was like, even then, I was just like, wh- who's getting, who's, what tickets are getting sold by dropping David thulis's name at the <laughs> beginning of the trailer? Is like good maybe for maybe it ages, was I like guess. right
0: after. Oh, I wonder when Naked happened because maybe it would have been like he got the reviews for that maybe. and then yeah. like. It it lent the movie an air of respectability. It wasn't going to get anywhere else. Was he one of the people that was recast in Island of Dr.
1: Moreau? I have no idea. I know that movie was a disaster, but I have no specifics on it. That could be a movie we could do for this podcast. I don't know if it would qualify. Don't you feel like any Marlon Brando movie would have gotten some degree of Oscar buzz back then? The stories about that movie were
0: far and wide, though. So, like,
1: do you think, like you think the its bad reputation of that was so in advance that it never got a chance to accumulate? Absolutely. That's an interesting theory. I would go with that. God, that means we have to do something like Don Juan DeMarco, though. <laughs> Don Juan
0: DeMarco's an Oscar nominee!
1: Oh, God! That's right. That's so terrible. For the worst <laughs> song ever written. Can't believe it had a category for worst right song here. ever written. Oh my god. No, I will not end this podcast with Have You Ever Really? <laughs> I will not. will not. I don't care how bad this movie is. Gross.
0: All right. I think if we do, speaking of cast members of Don Juan DeMarco, mm-hmm. if we would do The Island of Dr. Moreau by that logic, we would have Faye Dunaway and we would have to do Dunstan Checks
1: In. Wait. Wait. (laughs) It's the same bullshit. Why would we have it? Wait, Faye Dunaway is not in Dr. Moreau, though. She's in Don Juan DeMarco. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said if we did the Island of Dr. Moreau. Sorry.
0: No, that would be like doing Dunstan's Checks In.
1: If you want to do Dunstan checks in, Chris, you don't have to drop these oblique hints. You can just say,
0: "I, I don't want to do." You can
1: just say, "Joe, can we do Dunstan checks in?" Finally, at long last, it's been <laughs> almost two years. I've been patiently waiting. Also, in contention to play the Brad Pitt role in this film were both Rafe Fines, who was coming right off of the English Patient, and Daniel Day Lewis, who was who made The Boxer instead, I would say, because that was a 1997 yes. movie, right? That's a movie we could talk about. The Boxer, the only forgettable film, essentially, of Daniel day Lewis's career. Um, and then Ray Fiennes, who I think would have been a, a perfect choice to play this film, even though I don't know if, like, I don't know if it's the problem with this movie is they didn't cast well enough. I don't know no, how... No, but like, you, it does, like... You could improve you, it. You was, yeah, yeah. But I don't think you improve it to the point of it being good.
0: Well, I do think one of the major problems with the movie in terms of even just watchability is how miscast Brad Pitt is. Yeah. But it does give you a sense of, like, as far as production history for this movie is concerned, what the vision for it was, what type of movie they thought they were making. By those
1: two being in contention.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they were going for the next uh, English patient. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy how wrong they were whoops yeah ah well good for daniel day lewis go make that boxing movie with emily watson go get your golden globe nomination that would go nowhere another movie that is apparently about the ira oh really a daniel day lewis movie being about the ira you do not say a jim
0: sheridan movie a jim
1: sheridan movie IRA. no less yeah
0: i don't uh this is where I reveal how like stupid and ignorant I am. I never un- fully like understand the dynamics of that. The whole Of the IRA? Of the troubles? Oh. That's not
1: the troubles. Yes, it is. It's the troubles. It is the troubles. Yes. See, I don't understand. It's Pop-O-Matic troubles. That's what they named it after. Uh and <laughs> what if that was true? What if what if, like the Wizard of Oz, is an allegory for World War One? The the children's game Trouble with the pop-o-matic bubble in the middle of it is an <laughs> allegory for the troubles in Northern Ireland and England. What then? That's what the Pink song's about. That's what- <laughs> oh no, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's you know about autonomy and strife and and you know domestic terrorism, that kind of thing
0: right it's a it's just i think it's a very ingrained cultural thing that if you didn't experience, i don't know that you you don't fully
1: understand the dynamics of listen just go Irish and lock yourself in a room and listen to zombie by the cranberries like twenty times in a row, and you'll get it just i'm sure
0: point,
1: it will that just you dawn have on you. lots of experience doing that i have that was like my freshman year of high school. <laughs> suddenly suddenly, I became very aware of the troubles only because I really loved the cranberries. It was weird. Um, anything else, any other flotsam and jetsam we want to talk about with regard to seven years in Tibet? Twelve years a slave. Um,
0: I think it's really it, it, what I... I'm fascinated by about Brad Pitt because like at this point we can assume we're recording this the day after the globes that he will be an Oscar nominee. He is our front runner. I think he's gonna steamroll. Brad Pitt himself, when he talks about like this stage of his career, kind of just lumps it all together. Like I've never heard him talk about seven years in Tibet. But it's like a performance (laughs) by someone who you can tell is an unsatisfied actor or performer. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like you do, you can totally get the sense that this is someone who is not happy about
1: what's going on. Do you feel like he had a better time making meet Joe black or seven years in Tibet? Oh man. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, he probably did, I should say, we are recording Meet this Joe episode Black. the day after the Golden Globes, where Brad Pitt, in his acceptance speech for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, did shout out Tony Hopkins for being a great mentor to him. And I was like, well, that's either about Meet Joe Black, or it's about Legends of the Fall, and it's probably about both. Which makes me feel like I think he had a better time on the set of Meet Joe
0: yeah, Black. Yeah, he got to hang out with his friend Tony.
1: Yeah. Be real cut-ups. Be real cut-ups in Westchester, or wherever the hell they filmed that movie. <laughs> Rhode Island somewhere one of those mansions they use for everything yeah um, seven years in Tibet it's very long it's not great Brad Pitt's hair sort of like crosses the uncanny valley from like beautiful <laughs> to, to to just too yellow I don't yeah it's I don't know it takes a little bit of a neon hue it does it does I don't like it I don't love it I have to say and that
0: paired yeah. with the dialect is like, why are they doing this to Brad Pitt? <laughs> and why is why am I watching it?
1: If hairstyling um, and makeup had been an award back then, it would have been in contention with Mrs. Brown, the Judy Dench breakthrough, Mrs. Brown, Titanic, one of the few I think it was the only was that the only award Titanic didn't win? that it was nominated for? No, cuz it lost for Gloria Stewart and Kate Winslet. Yeah. But like one of the only non-acting awards that it didn't win was for makeup. It lost to Men in Black, Rick Baker, the unbeatable Rick Baker, the Patricia Arquette of the makeup awards. Uh Rick Baker who can never lose uh for Men in Black. Which I think is very very deserved. Edgar? Edgar for for the Edgar suit alone, I think. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to play IMDB game?
0: I think we're ready to play the IMDB game. I
1: think we are. All right. Uh, Why don't you tell the children what the imdb game is all about
0: gather round children for i have news every week we end our episodes with the imdb game where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try to guess the top four titles that imdb says they are most known for if any of those titles are television or voiceover work we mention that up front after two wrong guesses we get the remaining titles release years as a clue if that's not enough it just becomes a free for all of hints and that is the imdb game
1: Free for all of Hints. Yes. All right. Would you like to guess first, Chris, or would you like to go first?
0: How about I go first? All right.
1: By which I mean give first. By which I mean give the clues. Yes. I will be giving you
0: Mm -hmm. clues. Um, I was going to go because it's seven years in Tibet and we were talked about the other seven Brad Pitt movie. I was Mm. going to give you Morgan Freeman, but it's pretty easy And uh, I think we've maybe done it before, so I went with the other, other Brad Pitt number movie, and I went with 12 Monkeys and his uh, headlining co-star, Bruce Willis. Okay, Bruce Willis. Yeah, you have Bruce Willis, I will say. There is one for television.
1: Huh. Moonlighting. Moonlighting. I always forget that he made Moonlighting. Okay, so three other uh, Bruce Willis movies... Is one of them diehard?
0: Diehard is correct.
1: Okay, is one of them Bruce Willis? Bruce <laughs> Um mister Bruce Willis Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is
0: on there, also tying it back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Quentin Tarantino. So you, sir, three for three. Have been on a tear. Yeah. Doing well at the IMDB game. You have no wrong guesses I yet. Know. And you have one title to go for one, Mr.
1: Brusimus Willis. <laughs> I feel like I'm like Yes, I feel like I'm forgetting an obvious one where, like, it was a hit and it was maybe co- comedy action, but I can't quite land on what that is. There so are a few of those, but I'm I am guess, looking for just one movie. I, I'm gonna guess... Oh, is it The Whole Nine Yards? It is not! The Whole Nine Yards! Frick! okay. Um, is it The Siege?
0: It is not The Siege. Okay. You're about to get it because I'm going to give you the year. It's 1999.
1: Oh, God, of course. It's The Sixth Sense. It's The Sixth I'm a dumbo. Yes. Here's
0: the thing. The Sixth Sense is, yes, an obvious one, but, like, even today, like, how I think Sixth Sense has gone through, like, phases of where people were like, uh, over it, and now, like, I think we appreciate this movie again. Even today, we never talk about Bruce Willis in that movie.
1: No, no. He's not He's not in the top five of great things about that movie, honestly. I mean, he's not bad. that's
0: fair. But, like, he's in every scene of the movie.
1: Yeah, he sure is. Or is he? Ooh. Ooh. All right. Um... For my IMDb game for you, I also chose the Brad Pitt movie with numbers in it, Twelve Monkeys. <gasps> oh. I went for the lead actress in that movie, Madeline You're be Stowe. Kidding
0: me. I give you Bruce Willis, and you give me Madeline Stowe. However,
1: <laughs>
0: wow, turned I out am a myself, on one. and I should be able to do this. Yeah, you should.
1: This is not hard.
0: Is Twelve Monkeys one of them? It is. Is The Last of the Mohicans one of them? It is. Is there any television? No, sir. Okay, so no revenge. No, although that would be
1: wonderful and lovely.
0: Um, I I know that my problematic fave playing by heart is probably not on there. It's got to be all, like host Last of the Mohicans probably.
1: I give you nothing until you guess. Mm. Is Shortcuts on there? Shortcuts, correct. Ugh. 1993 Shortcuts. Do you know what her character's name in Shortcuts is? I do not. Sherry Shepard. Huh? <laughs>
0: And weirdly enough, she plays the shortcuts character that believes the Earth is flat.
1: Um, <laughs> also, her single her single is dropping is dropping in that episode. Or in that episode, mm-hmm.
0: uh, you smell like enorme and brass polish. You've been to a strip club, <laughs> Madeline Stowe. Um, <laughs>
1: the ham council okay. does love the way she says ham.
0: Ham. Look, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I can get this. What? No, I know that she is, like, second build in that John Travolta, uh, like, military police movie. What was it called? It was called The General's
1: Daughter. You psychopath. You got it.
0: (laughs) Did I get it? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you were so mad about Madeline Madeline Stowe. Stowe. Oh, Madeline
1: Stowe was so hard. Yada, yada, yada. You jerk.
0: Okay, uh... What, like, other things besides revenge could there possibly be for her, though? For Madeline
1: Stowe? Um, a little western called Bad Girls.
0: Oh, duh. See, like, that's the worst thing, is that I didn't guess Bad Girls.
1: The Bad Girls, talk about, we've described a few movie posters on this episode today. Bad Girls, first of all, the title Bad Girls is in, like, the Stephen King font, like... It's really, like, old, like, <laughs> 80s font. It's all four of the women, none of them in the same room when they, they took these photos, all pointing guns at the camera. Madeline Stowe, Mary Stuart Masterson, Mary McDonald, and then Drew Barrymore is there, where literally she's wearing a, uh, a brown, sort of, like, dusty brown vest over <laughs> a full halter top. And like six shooters <laughs> in each hand. Bad it's, Girls is rad. Bad Girls is so fun. It's not great, but it's like it's a time. Like we should embrace movies like Bad Girls more than this. But like Drew Barrymore on this poster looks fully insane. It's amazing. <laughs> it's
0: okay, so great. here's here's how I will defend myself for getting bad girls. Madeline Stowe has definitely got to be like second build in that. Movie that I just forgot the title of. She's second build in Daughter. *Last of the Mohicans*, yeah. probably third build of *12 Monkeys* and *Shortcuts*. I bet would be one of those movies that like whatever list of names is on the poster and it's probably alphabetical. It's probably alphabetical, but I bet a ton of those actors have that movie. Yeah, in there known for *Bad Girls*. Which one? What
1: billing is she? Like third *Bad Girls*. So yeah. if we go by the poster. She's first build, okay, never mind, but the poster's weird because it's the title is in the center, and then it's two names, one on top of the other on the left, and two names up on the right. So it's like essentially the four names are in a grid, and yeah, she's they're trying to like
0: give them all the same right,
1: billing. but she is top left, so <sighs> but she's not in the middle of the poster. She's all the way to the left on the poster, but
0: also oh, she's girl. the lead in
1: one more movie that you're forgetting. What am I forgetting? It's a thriller from 1993. Hmm? Huh? The the, the uh, log line is A blind violinist who had recently undergone a revolutionary surgery joins with a police detective to track a serial killer after she was an inadvertent <laughs> witness to his latest crime.
0: What the hell is this movie I need to watch
1: immediately? It's called Blink. With oh! Lynn Quinn. Madeline Stowe's career is interesting, because she did just, like, all of a sudden, just, like, kind of pack it in. And then she comes back. With in... Revenge. Yeah. Oh, she made a cameo you... in the Twelve Monkeys TV series. Good for her. All right. This has been a fun episode about a not-fun movie, but you know what? <laughs> we made it work. We tried to I make really it I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's been good. Welcome to 2020, everybody. This is what we're doing now. We're talking about... Movies like Seven Years in Tibet. We've got some good ones coming up ahead, I will say. We've got a fun guest next week. We're, we're, we're taking it to some places. We're talking about what our next... We're going some places. ...miniseries is going to be, so like that'll be a good time. It'll be fun.
0: We're going to have some fun. Um, uh, best of luck to you, Mr. Bradley Pitt we are rooting for you. Yeah, we didn't
1: really talk about that too much, how this is coming really in the thick of what everybody expects to be his coronation as an Oscar winner, finally, all these years after 12 uh, 12 Monkeys, where he first got nominated. And I'm happy for him. I will say, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not my favorite Brad Pitt performance, which isn't to say that I don't like it.
0: I'm happy that it is a performance like this that will get him his Oscar, because like, I think he's... Mostly done with making movies like Seven Years in Tibet, but I still worried yeah. that it would be a movie like that.
1: No, definitely much better that it's a movie that has some like blood. It and feels dust like it's it. a character
0: role.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's good that he. I mean, and also like Brad and DiCaprio making a movie together feels right. The two, the two snubbed actors from the nineteen ninety seven Best Actor race, finally having their revenge on Jack Nicholson and Matt Damon. <laughs> it all happened. It all happened. Um, that's our episode, though. If you want more of this Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at Had underscore Oscar underscore Buzz. Christopher, where can the listeners find you and your stuff?
0: You can find me on Twitter at ChrisVFile, that's F-E-I-L, also on Letterboxd under the same name and writing regularly for the film experience and elsewhere.
1: I am on Twitter at Joe Reed. I am also on Letterboxd as Joe Reed, Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. I I am also, you can find my work about television at primetimer.com as always, where I'm the managing editor. I am also spending a short little stint uh, editing the award season blog at Vulture called The Gold Rush. So please come over, stop by, see we're doing some really good work. I'm working with some really good freelancers, including certain podcast partners who are on this Skype call with me. Hi. Yeah, it's a fun time. It's going to be some good award season stuff. We're trying to sort of, you know, award season in its most fun incarnation is sort of how I want this to be. So it's a great, fun opportunity, and I hope you all come and read some stuff. It's going to be good. So, we would also like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork, and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts. A five star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcasts visibility. So, downplay your old nationalist associations and write us a happy review, won't you? That is all for this week, but we hope you'll be back next week for more Buzz. You've got to-